as we uh, as we worship. Every chain will break as broken hearts declare His praise. But who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb. The Lamb that was slain For the sin of the world His blood breaks the chains And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb So open up the gates way before the King of Kings. Our God has called the saved. He's here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, 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 the Lord Almighty Who can stop 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 the Lord Almighty Stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord? And our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before. 
seated if you would like. We'd like to welcome you here this morning if you're joining us online or in person. Uh, my name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. So I'd like to extend a welcome to you if you're a guest uh, and you are joining us as such, then there is, should be a card right in front of you that looks just like this. If you would fill that out, drop that in the basket on your way out today, but I do not see any guests with us this morning, so hey, I'll give it to you anyways. So, we, uh, I want to read a psalm, uh, a few verses to you this morning, and then call us together for a time of prayer, an extended time where it's been a while, uh, where we have spent a few moments uh, more than uh, where, where you're invited, where we all will pray together. I want to invite you, either pray where you're at, uh, if, you, if you don't want to uh, come down here, you're welcome to, uh, welcome to come down and kneel before the Lord in and, and prayer. Uh, but want to invite you to a few moments to pray uh, over, over the coming, coming few weeks and specifically as school starts and as kids go back and everything uh, that is going on in our community with, with COVID and the realities uh, that we see. Just want to seek the Lord in prayer. And so specifically we want to read a few verses from Psalm 48. It says, Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north. The city of the great king within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. So the psalmist, as he is speaking about the location, the location of Zion, of Jerusalem, the place where God came. God then came in his son. Jesus came to earth to give his life on the cross so that his people no longer are a location, but are his people are across the globe and across history who are joined together on and in virtue of what Jesus has done in our behalf. So that we can now know God through himself, through his son. Through the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf, that he came to take our sin upon his shoulders and to give his life for us so that now we need not travel to a location, but we can know God by his word, by what he has done, and by him being near us. We need the Lord. We need his direction. We need his help. We need his nearness. We need his forgiveness. So I would encourage you to join me in, in this time of prayer to seek the Lord, to seek him for him to be near us, to direct us, to guide us, to protect his people, and to fill his people with his word and with his spirit, that we would go boldly into our community and into this world with the gospel, representing him well, ambassadors with the sweet aroma of Christ and him crucified, sharing to those around us. So, I want to add one more thing to this. As, as we have talked, uh, Tracy Dale, our preschool director, is, is uh, in transition, uh, moving to Tennessee. And so this week, a uh, variety of interviews, we feel uh, the elders 
uh, feel led that uh, that one of the one of the, our own who has uh, who has interviewed and applied for the position feel like the Lord is leading uh, Nefa Moore to to take that role this fall as the director of our weekday preschool. And so, not only do we want to pray for uh, the students, our students who are going to school in in our community, but also for our preschool that meets here for the transition of Tracy leaving and Nefa coming and our students and their families. Uh, it's, it's a mission field. It is a mission field that we have here right next door every day during the week. Families from our community, many who do not attend here, that we have such an incredible opportunity to reach out to these families, many of whom will return to different countries that they call home, that we can reach out to with the gospel. So if you would join with me in prayer, uh, seeking the Lord for these things. Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the life that you have given us, Lord. Thank you that we can know you. We can see who you are and who we are, Lord. Because you're gracious, because you're loving, because you're kind. So, Father, I ask your help upon me, your forgiveness, your help upon us all, Lord, that you would open our eyes and open our ears to, to what you say, to what your word means, Lord, this morning, that we would hear and be drawn to you. Lord, I ask you to provide this week, as many of our students return back to school, as our preschool students return this week, that, God, your hand of protection, provision, would be upon them, Lord, that you would keep uh, the, the virus that we see spiking and continuing to grow in our community. You would keep that at bay, Lord. 
that Lord as students return that that would not be what is brought with them Lord you would you would protect you would protect life God you are the author of life you have created all things and as such it is in your hands so we trust you Lord that you and your providence Lord have have such a good plan for each of us and for uh, for our lives and Lord we ask that God you would direct us in that Lord help us to rest in in your sovereign hand over our lives Lord in your compassionate nature your father fatherliness Lord of how you how you lovingly take care of your people Lord so father help us to rest in faith and trust you So, Father, would you provide this week for those teachers who are, who are coming back, who are seeking to serve and uh, to educate, Lord, would you take care of them, provide for their needs, Lord, give them what they need in order to meet the educational goals that, that they have for their students and that have been placed upon them, Lord, would you fill them with strength and energy to make it through the year and, Lord, to adjust to... Uh, precautions and just realities of of the COVID world we're in, Lord. God, would you would you take care of them, Lord? And the same with the teachers here, Lord, that you would provide, Lord, for them, for each of them, each of their families, Lord. That God, you would protect their family members that are sick now. That God, you would uh, heal them and heal heal them themselves. Those those teachers, Lord, who are sick. That God, you would you would protect and uh, Lord return them for this year. God, would you be with Tracy? Thank you for her service. Thank you for how you have used her in the lives of the preschoolers and the lives of this congregation, and in the families that have gathered, Lord, uh, as part of the preschool the last several years. God, would you provide for them as they transition to Tennessee, and Lord also in transition with with Nefa coming in. That God, you would direct and supply her needs in taking this role lord that, that lord you would you would direct her steps there and that god you would join together those all those over there all those teachers and her in uh, lord in harmony towards the goal of of loving those those kids and teaching them well so father i ask that god you would you would protect and provide for uh, the preschool here, Lord. And Father, meet with us this morning. Speak to us from your word. God, draw us to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand as we worship together.
Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Thank you so much, God, for this opportunity to worship together. God, to be together in community as your body. Lord, we need you. Lord, help us to rely on you fully. God, to to seek you in all that we do. God, I pray for Pastor Joel as he brings the message. God, that you you will give him the words that he needs to say. God, that we will leave this building changed, better equipped to serve you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Those of you that are online, uh, you're probably watching online because of the uh, uptake and uptick rather in COVID cases and uh, which has happened among many of our church members and so we're going to take just a couple of weeks to slow things down a little bit we won't have small group meetings for two Sundays and then our prayer obviously is uh, that that will return very quickly uh, back uh, to uh, things as they were God has been good to us over these months years uh and, uh, and yet uh, we have lost uh, to heaven uh, some people that we love and love dearly, family members, church members, friends. And, uh, and so we're just trying to be very cautious. Uh, we are not a group of people who want to wait for the government to tell us what to do because we're a church. We're not a governmental agency, Okay. And uh, so we don't do what we do because uh, the government tells us it's because it's just the right thing to do for right now. So uh, there needs to be a uh, slide put up there for all of us that should be there. It, I didn't say it last Sunday, but boy, it was, on my, it was, it was as big as it, my sheet can be to say thank you. And uh, how? I, uh, anyway, would you join me in thanking Josh? Yeah, I think you all ought to stand, okay? And uh, for all the time, the effort to Suzanne for participating. You've been as much of this, I know, and your kids have sacrificed time with Dad for you to be able to uh, help. 
uh, and you have led us well over these uh, few weeks that you were up here. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, interim, it can be de uh, defined in many different ways, can't it? And uh, Josh, we appreciate you for leading our worship. Uh, I want to uh, do just a short series. I say short. I hadn't decided how many weeks we'll do it. But uh, we're going to be talking about uh, our union with Christ. It came up in our men's Bible study. And when we talked about it, one of the men's comment was, I've been in church all my life. And I've never heard this doctrine. I've never heard this truth being taught. And uh, so I went back into... Um, some of my sermons uh, and found out I've preached on it here before that was said so uh, I do realize you need to be told more than once and uh, so uh, preached on it at least twice in the last uh, couple of years and uh, so we're going to do a little series on what uh, this idea of our union with Christ really means for us the fact that you and I are united by faith in Christ you and I have to remember that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. What an amazing fellowship that must have been. We call what we're going to do at the end of the service today communion. That's another word for the Lord's Supper. And communion means fellowship, to have in union with, to have in common with. And when you talk about uh, coming to the communion table, it uh, is only a picture of what we have in Christ and we've got to go back to Adam that walked with God talked with God fellowship with God uh, knew the heart of God could see God with his eyes and yet he sinned and and in his sin the scripture tells us in the New Testament uh, all who are in Adam die but everyone who is in Christ shall be made alive and so that's, this is kind of an introduction message to these uh, several messages about our union with Christ. title of it is, uh, A Man in Christ. And when I say a man, I'm using the generic term, but it's a term that, that Paul used to identify himself. And uh, maybe the best place uh, to start this might be in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And... Uh, for those of you that know that I could preach endlessly, I can go hours upon hours, I'll just encourage you by telling you we're going to do the whole book of Ephesians today. So, oh, yeah, I like that. Thank you. Uh, so we've got 20 minutes to do the whole book of Ephesians. So hold on to your hats and we'll uh, begin reading in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. And this is, I want you to see these connections, okay? Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we shall be holy and blameless before him. And in love he predestined us for adoption to him or into himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace 
with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight and making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. And here he tells you the purpose to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him. And you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Again, would you join me in prayer? And Lord, as we pray, we recognize that there's a reality to a mystery uh, of what it is that was hidden in the ages past. And our forefathers before Christ coming into this world who were your children could not see the reality of what it is to be in Christ. And yet we who are by faith your children and are in Christ still have great difficulty of understanding what we cannot see with our eyes, what we must believe by faith is that we are in a union with your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we are co-heirs with Christ in all things. And yet we, we know that we, we live as if we are in poverty spiritually. And I pray that through these uh, weeks that we're together, help us to see the spiritual wealth and the blessings that you have for us to walk in, live in, give out of, and share with other people to the glory of your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were to ask someone today, what, uh, what faith are you? Or maybe uh, what denomination do you belong to? Uh, some might would say, well, you know, if you happen to be a part of Faith Family Fellowship, you may say, well, I'm a Baptist. Or you might say, I'm a, I'm a Methodist. Or I'm a Presbyterian. Or I'm Pentecostal. Or I've, I'm a part of a non-denominational group. Uh, you might even say, I'm a Christian. And the reality is, if you would have asked any first century follower of Jesus Christ the question, what are you? What, what religion are you a part of? I can almost guarantee you that no one would say, I am a Christian. You see, the term Christian was a negative term in the first and second and third centuries. It, it, it was a demeaning term. 
it, it was a term to put someone down and even set them apart for the purpose of persecution. And so uh, you probably wouldn't have had anybody who would have, well, one, you wouldn't have had no one who would have identified as a Baptist, okay? But you'd have no one probably that would have called themselves a Christian. Uh, they might have used the term, we're followers of the way. You've heard that term. It's used in the book of Acts. And uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so there might be those who would say, well, I'm a follower of the way, meaning I'm a follower of Christ. Some may define themselves as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's even possible that... Uh, there would be some who would say, uh, I'm a disciple of Christ. Uh, Paul, however, uses a term about himself in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 2. Uh, verse two. He says, I know a man in Christ. Now, Paul was referring to himself. He's telling a story about his uh, exaltation uh, in a vision that he had of what heaven was like. And he refers to himself as a man in Christ, a person in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I would think that's probably one of the greatest uh, designations that you and I could ever share with somebody. If they were to ask you, well, are, are you a believer? Well, you, you could respond, I am in Christ Jesus. That's the way Paul would have defined himself. Uh, you're familiar with 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's one of the first verses I learned as a new believer. That if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So there's this, this idea of being in Christ. So I took the English Standard Version, which is what I'm reading out of, and I looked it up, and, it, and the term in Christ is found 91 times in the English Standard Version. So you might find it differently in some others. But you could see that it is a, it's a term that is used over and over and over again. And it really points us to being in union with Christ. I am in Christ. We, we often talk about asking Jesus into your heart. And I don't know that's necessarily a bad thing. But, but it's not so much that he's in me, but more that I am in him. I am in Christ. It, it's not like I'm trying to get all of God inside this little vessel that's called a body. But it's more me getting in the hugeness and the greatness of who Jesus Christ is as the second person of the Trinity. So you see, we, we kind of struggle sometimes of thinking how weak we are because it's, it's just Christ in this little vessel and rather than me being this little vessel, being in Christ Jesus. And that's part of what we're wanting to communicate over these next several weeks. Uh, it is maybe the most uh, profound statement that could be ma made that I'm a person in Christ. It's simply profound and profound. Profoundly simple, is it not? And so what I want us to do, just, just by way of introduction this morning, is I want to look at some of the truths that are in the book of Ephesians that will help you and I to understand maybe a little bit better what it means to be in Christ. When we come to the first chapter, 
uh, being in Christ is, means we're in Christ in all spiritual blessings. Um, you and I are to look to no one else for blessing. I, I can remember as a, as a teenager, I had not been a believer too many years, just a handful of years, and I, I ran across a good friend who uh, had had the second blessing. That's what he told me. He said, uh, I've had the second blessing. And he asked me, he said, have you had the second blessing? And I was thinking to myself as a young Christian, well, I've had a second and a third. And it's kind of like how many helpings of potatoes have you eaten? And uh, I could think just over and over again. And what he was talking about, he was talking about seeking something extra in the Christian life to somehow bolster us and enable us uh, to, to experience more blessing. And the reality is what Scripture is telling us here, when you have Jesus Christ, you have all the blessings of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Everything that you need is found in being in Jesus Christ. Uh, Look again in verse 3 of chapter 1. And uh, these are not going to be up on the board, so you're going to have to use your Bible or your uh, little uh, digital uh, Bible there. Uh, It says, uh, those who he has blessed in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places or in the heavenly realms. You you see, that's that idea of you and I are in union with Christ in the heavenly realms. You and I are in Him, and therefore, we have an exalted position through Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. Do you ever get depressed, defeated, discouraged, disheartened? Well, I can tell you if you bleed when you're cut, you do, okay? And you and I need to be reminded that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. The issue is bringing it from the heavenly realm into everyday experience. But chapter 1 primarily is there for you and I to know all of these blessings that we have. It's kind of like turning around and looking at the storehouse. It's, it's opening up. I mean... You've, I've, I haven't watched The Price is Right, don't even know if it's even on TV anymore, but, you know, I can remember as a kid coming home from school and The Price is Right would be on, and I think that's the one that says, no, that's Let's Make a Deal, behind door number one and door number two and door number three. Uh, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about. Let's see what is ours in Christ Jesus. Verse 4 of chapter 1 says, He chose us. In Him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In Christ Jesus, because you are in Him, you are His. He's marked you off as belonging to Him both now and forever. Okay? You know, uh, there, there might have been times that your mom and dad might want to get rid of you, trade you in for a new model, but the reality is you're theirs, aren't they? It doesn't matter how good things are at home or how bad things are at home. 
that's who you belong to as far as your family dynamic is concerned. And so it is in Jesus Christ. And notice what he says. He says, I've chosen you and you are holy and blameless. Verse 6, he goes on and says, uh, he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, who's the beloved? It is the one loved by the Father. Notice it's capitalized. It's talking about Jesus Christ. And uh, it depends on your translation. Uh, here it says you are blessed in the beloved. It's, the, it's actually in the original text of Scripture. It's the word graced. It's the verb for grace. You have been graced in the beloved. In Christ Jesus, being in Him, in union with Him, what do you as a follower of Christ have? You have all of His grace for a few things. Or do you have all of His grace for every trial? For every failure? For every sin? For every difficulty, for every hardship. And so this is what he's reminding these Ephesians. And you have to understand, these Ephesians were living in a Roman world. And they were Greek. And uh, they had all kinds of religions. And all of those religions, crazy as they might be, were acceptable to the government. You know that? I mean, as wild and crazy as they could be. I mean, they did some really strange uh, things in their day, and I won't go into detail of any of those things, but they were sanctioned by the government. But guess what was not? Christianity. And the Scripture tells us, it delineates for us why it was not. For in the book of Acts, it tells us when they went to Thessalonica, uh, there was trouble, there was an uproar, there was a riot that took place at Thessalonica. And the reason why it is is because the Christians were pr promoting that there was another king. There was another king besides Caesar. And, and none of the other religions said that. And that's one of the things that's true about Christ. Christ is Lord of all. He's the king of kings. He's the omnipotent one. We talked about it last week. Even used the word despot about Jesus Christ. He has absolute authority. And so we have uh, redemption, verse 7 says, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. See, these people were living in Ephesus, but Paul was trying to remind them, even though they were in Ephesus, where were they? They were in Christ. And uh, I, I'm not sure where you are. Do you know where you are? You know, people ask me, ask me that. Do you know where you are? Well, yeah, I'm right here, standing right here. I know where I am. But I don't, you know, are you from Spanish Fort? Are you from Daphne? Are you from uh, Sims, Mobile, Baymanette? You see, that may be where you are physically located at. But the reality is, if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, you are in Him no matter what is going on around you. Are you in the realm of COVID right now? Well, yeah, but you are in Christ. And so he tells us in verse, 12, uh, verse 11, because of that, 
because we are in Him, we have an inheritance. And it is an eternal inheritance that has been predetermined by the Lord that we should experience all of His will. Verse 12 says, because we are in Him, we have hope in Christ. No matter what circumstances may be, you may be in the hospital, but if you are in Christ, you have what? You have hope. You have, a, you have an assurance that comes from the Lord. If he, uh, verse 13 of Ephesians 1 tells us that we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit has come not only to live within you and to empower you, for we're taught you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's, Lord Jesus taught us not only will the Holy Spirit be with you, but he will be what? In you. And by virtue of Christ, you are in him. So that everywhere you go, you have the, the circumference, as it were, the protective will of the Holy Spirit to assist and guide you. So you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And he has promised to take you where one day? heaven is his job to sanctify you now we're called to sanctify ourselves the, the word of God commands us to do that but it tells us we are sanctified by his word and we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God so in sanctifying ourselves what we must do is we must be in the word of God letting the Holy Spirit of God make the application to our lives, and then walk in obedience to what he has said. Chapter 2. Poo! Okay, that was the longest one. Chapter 2 is, in Christ we have been made alive. In him, you've been made alive. You were once dead. Verse 5 says, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. You were dead spiritually, without understanding, without knowledge, and without God in this world. Using our best wisdom, our best thinking to get around, to do what we think we ought to do. But in Christ Jesus, you have been made alive spiritually. There is now you have spiritual ears to hear with, spiritual eyes to see, spiritual heart to feel and to understand a spiritual mind to comprehend and know God spiritual hands to touch people in the name of Jesus Christ spiritual feet to go wherever Christ tells you to go you are a new person in Jesus Christ again you may be in Christ or pardon me in uh, on the eastern shore but you are in Christ uh, you may be in algebra class, but if you're his, you are, say it for me, in Christ. I think you're getting this. I know I'm being a little bit redundant here, but redundancy is necessary. Uh, I'm glad that my uh, drive-by wire Prius, what that means is it's not mechanical. It's, it's digital. So I've got a steering wheel that is actually hooked up to nothing. I don't know if that makes you feel comfortable or not. It does not make me feel comfortable. 
And so uh, what they have done in that particular car is they put in a redundancy of systems so that if one system goes out, hopefully, prayerfully, the other one, there's actually three for the steering, it'll work. The brakes are the same way. There's not a, you push down on the brake, there's not a wire that goes to the brake couplings that tell it to do that. It's done electronically. There's a redundancy in it. And I'm saying this to say God is telling you, I've got you covered. I want you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You may be in a tough family situation, but if you are in Christ... You have everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness in Jesus Christ. I, you're not like me. I know that. You don't throw temper tantrums like I do. Uh, you, you don't have pity parties. You know, when I do a pity party around our house, I do it right. I go get the party favors, you know, the little thing you blow and get the hat, confetti, I mean, if I'm going to have a pity party, you know, life just is not going my way. I just really get with it. And I'm sure you don't ever do that. But what God's Word is trying to say here is that your situation may be bad, but guess what? You are in Christ. You're in union with Him. Now, they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. They buried Him, and what happened? He rose from the dead. And not only did he rise from the dead, he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's coming again in glory. So maybe we shouldn't have that pity party. Huh? Maybe we shouldn't murmur. God tells us not to, right? Maybe we shouldn't complain so much if you're in Christ Jesus because if you're in Christ Jesus, then it's, it's a settled deal for us. We're not separated from Christ, chapter 2 says, and you never will be. Chapter 3, in Christ we are in union with Him. Verse 6 says, you and I are fellow heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to Him belongs to you. You know, when, we, uh, when the, our granddaughters were here, uh, one of the stories that I read them in Scripture at nighttime was I read them the book of Ruth. And you, you remember when Ruth goes in and, and she lays at the feet of Boaz? And it's, it's, it's an unusual picture, but it was a symbolic way in their day for a, a, what was called a kinsman redeemer which was Boaz. In other words, he was a family member who had the opportunity to take responsibility for a widow in his family who had no children. And Boaz was unmarried, and he was a wealthy man, and here is this widowed family member from Moab. She was not a Jew, she was a Gentile. And she comes and she lays at his feet and the scripture says he throws his robe over her. And it's a picture, I got you covered. Okay? It's a beautiful picture of saying everything that I as Boaz own, I give it to you. Now there was a problem in, in that day, wasn't there? And that was there was a kinsman closer in relation to 
her than Boaz was. And he goes to that relation and he says to the relation, he says, will you become her redeemer? And he says, if I become her redeemer, I'll lose my inheritance. You take her. Now, I'm not so sure that the ones who like to spiritualize on this are correct, but I sure like it. And that is this other kinsman is a picture of the law. The law cannot redeem. The law cannot save. Doing that which is right doesn't put you in Christ Jesus. But Christ Jesus says, I've chosen you. I've called you. You are mine. And in that, you are a fellow heir with Christ. You are members of the same body of His and partakers, verse 6 says, of the promises in Jesus Christ. Oh, he goes on throughout that chapter and tells us more of uh, what it means to be in union with Him. And we'll cover that in a, in a few weeks. Chapter 4, in Christ we are never alone. We are never alone. We're united in Christ. We are part of His church. Verse 1 of Ephesians 4 says, uh, You're to walk worthy of the calling to with which you have been called. Verse 2 says, Bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, Maintaining the unity of the Spirit as a body of believers. Knowing there you're in one body and one spirit. You've been called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and our Father. You see, if you're in Ephesus, culture is going to change. If you're in Baldwin County, culture is going to change. If you're, if you're in the United States, culture has changed. I mean, it has. But who does not change? Jesus Christ does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you and I are in Him, and He is changeless, and so is His church. Now, we may change the way we sing a song. We may change. I can remember one of my good friends uh, uh, shared with me uh, when we pastored in Arkansas that uh, they decided to no longer have an outhouse at their church. They were going to have an in-house toilet. And they had a dedication. They had a building dedication at their church because they added a, a toilet to their building. Now that was quite a change for that congregation. Could you imagine? I'm being serious. This was in my day, okay? And it actually happened in the hills of Arkansas. No surprise to you, right? And it's quite a change. Things change. But the church doesn't change. Uh, the other day, one of the teachers was visiting uh, here on campus. And uh, I, I, I wanted to respond to her correctly, and I didn't because I didn't want to be offensive. But she, she spoke to me, and she says, you have a beautiful church here. My thought was, you're not seeing the church. Now, I think we have a beautiful church here. Because the church isn't the building. Who is it? It's the people. And so in Christ, in Jesus Christ, you and I are now part of a family of which you're never alone. Now sometimes we isolate ourselves. Sometimes we set ourselves apart 
Sometimes we don't gather together as we ought to. Sometimes we don't call on one another when we have need. But the reality is in Jesus Christ, you and I are, are never alone. So put on the new self, Ephesians 4, 24 says. That's Christ. And after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Chapter 5, in Christ, we are living in the light by the Holy Spirit. We're living in the light by the Spirit. Uh, it begins by talking about we were in darkness. Verse 8 says, at one time you were darkness, not only in darkness, he identifies us as darkness. You couldn't see. You were darkness, you did not know. You were trying your best way to get to heaven, but now he says you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He talks about walking as children of light in chapter 5 in your family. Uh, he talks about husbands and wives uh, walking in the light in their relationship. It actually uh, bleeds over into chapter 6 when he talks about in our homes with parents toward children and children Toward parents as we are to live in the light, not in darkness. If you're in Jesus Christ, you know, I, I can remember when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, my dad became a new man. You know why? Because I was in Christ. You see, all of a sudden I had new eyes for my dad. I had new eyes for my mother. I had new eyes for my brothers. I had new eyes for my friends. And that's what happens to us. In our relationships, we've come out of darkness into light. And we see what other people's issues really are. Out of the mouth comes what? Issues of the heart. When somebody's getting mad at you and you think, Man, what have I done? Am I, am I failing? Should I quit? If ugly and bad things are coming out of their mouth, what's it revealing? It's not necessarily revealing anything about me. It may be revealing everything about them. Right? I've come out of darkness in the light. We, it affects all of our relationships. Uh, even to, in chapter 6, it talks about our occupations. And then lastly, and it's really the last half of chapter 6, and uh, that is, uh, in Christ, we are in a warfare. Now, I don't know why God left that to last. He was telling us all these good things that's happened to us. And now he says, but you're in warfare. The reality is being in Christ means you're in a battle. So what does he tell us in verse 10? Be strong in Christ. Be strong in the Lord. Find your strength in him. Man, I just wish there was some pill I could swallow and all of a sudden I would... Uh, my BMI would no longer be showing me to be overweight and, and all of a sudden I had muscles and I could run fast and all of those things. And It doesn't happen that way, does it? And yet the reality is in Christ, you're enabled spiritually to do whatever He asks you to do. Our strength is in the Lord. So I'm just going to kind of close with some questions here. And and the question is, what is your Ephesus? Here were these people living in Ephesus, having trouble and difficulty, and they had to be reminded, though you're in Ephesus, 
you're in Christ. What's your Ephesus? And it could be your family. <laughs> it could be your job. Uh, it, it could be what appears to be a hopeless situation. It could be your health. There's a whole number of things that it could be. What is your battlefield? And then the next question would be, are you in Christ? Are you in Him? How does one get in Christ? Through faith alone in Christ alone. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a, it is the gift of God. It's no, of nothing that you and I can do. So are you in Him and being in Him, are you living in Him as if you're living in an alien world? Now, I, I, I came up with that because, again, my granddaughters have been here and they've been wanting to watch Lost in Space. Okay? So we've been watching Lost in Space a little bit. And uh, it reminds us, that, that story reminds you when you're in an alien world, what do you have to have? You have to have a space suit on, at least in the story. Because you, you have to be able to breathe. And the pressure from the outside would destroy you if you weren't in this pressurized suit. And you see, we walk around sometimes as being in Christ as if we have, you know, this is our environment. No, this isn't our environment. Our environment is in Christ. We must walk in Christ. Walk in the light as He is in the light. And that is the call that God has called us to in our union with Jesus Christ. Is to understand just like if we were to put you on the moon without a spacesuit, what would happen to you? You'd die. You wouldn't be able to breathe. And so it is in Christ. There, there is no life for spiritual living apart from Jesus Christ. There's no blessing apart from Jesus Christ. And so, Paul said, I know a man in Christ. Are you in Christ? And if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And so, where are you? We're going to come to this table of communion. Are you in union with Christ? And if so, are you living out of that? Out of his resources. How do you do it, preacher? By faith and obedience. You remember the old hymn, Trust and Obey? For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And so we're going to give an invitation. It's a call to come to say, I want to be in Christ if you're not in Christ Jesus. And Pastor Matthew and I would love to help you, point you to God's Word and the Holy Spirit to help you to be a person in Christ Jesus. And if you are a person in Christ Jesus, are you living out of that? Are you in union with Christ? Uh, all of Him and all of me and all of me and all of Him. Let's pray together. And so, Father, we do come to a time to take the simplicity of this. Lord, it, it, it's almost like uh, uh, the simplicity of a, of a formula, like e, e equals mc squared. It's so simple, and yet it's so complicated. 
the simplicity of the gospel is we are in Christ. But the, the significance of that is so overwhelming. Of all that we have in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to know what it is to walk in union with Christ. In Adam I die. In Christ I'm made alive. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together.